Welcome to Level Playing Field, a podcast where a group of longtime friends get together to talk about the world of video games. Today, we're talking about something called the Indie Arcade Wave. My name is Andrew Kimball, and I'm your host. Joining me on today's episode, we have Dylan Wren. Hey, people. Were you ready to be first? No, it was it was unexpected. I'm usually like second or third because you were like looking down at your phone or something. I feel like you can see all of us, and you pick the person who looks least prepared. So, <laughs> like some of them might be eating cheese. Yes, and completely unrelated from that, we have Aubrey Kimball. I realized that the <laughs> cheese thing was hard to move on from. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Also, we have Joe Summer. I miss our cheese eating friend. <laughs> yeah he unfortunately passed away i'm just kidding that's a bad joke no caleb couldn't be with us tonight but we do have one more person to introduce on this episode very special guest another joe but this joe is the founder of indie arcade wave how are you doing tonight i'm good how about yourself can't complain can't complain i can't speak for everybody else here but <laughs> i mean we're here we're alive we're Talking over the internet about video games, life is pretty good. Yeah, it's a good time. Can't be mad at that. Before we dive in, I just want to ask if you enjoy our show, please tell your friends. It would really mean a lot. Also, go check out our website, levelplayingfieldgaming.com. From there, you can find links to our social media pages, YouTube channel, and Patreon, as well as all the many places you can listen to the show. And a huge shout out to our Level 3 patrons on Patreon. At the time of recording this episode, our Level 3 patron is Bo Black. He's the man. Thank you so much, Bo, for your support. Now let's get started. So let's uh, address the elephant in the room here. We have two Joes on this episode. So that might get a little confusing for us. Thankfully, they seem to have pretty different voices. So the listener shouldn't be shouldn't be an issue for you out there. But if we get confused, just you know, bear with me. So Joe. <laughs> Yeah, Joe Summer. Just if we're asking questions about indie arcade wave, uh, just assume that we're not asking them to you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Can you handle that? (laughs) That that is a lot of social context for an engineer to handle, but I will do my best. (laughs) Classic. So, Joe of the indie arcade wave. I want to start with some just some general kind of gaming questions to get a little bit of background information on you. Let's start with just how did you get into the hobby? Like, how did you get into gaming? I guess some of the earliest memories that I can think of uh, were definitely the NES uh, playing just Mario, things like that. Um, I was little, so they're they're not very detailed memories. Yeah, I know um, what you mean. I think uh, the big ones really started to jump. Uh, maybe the SNES uh, playing Unicyclers, or is that what it was called? Something like that, Unicyclers, uh, with my dad. Uh, that game was an insane amount of fun, and we still play it now. Oh, nice. Um, I think it's one of the crazier racing games I've ever seen. <laughs> um, and then moved into, obviously, like the N64, PlayStation, where I started to like really, really get into it. And I guess the, the big memories after that were like Xbox Live. I mean, talking mm-hmm. like Halo, Gears of War, all that stuff that came out right on the on the 360. Yeah, the 360 was was huge for me. I think that SNES is probably like my fuzzy memory, like that kind. Of, I remember Super Mario World and like games like that in the SNES. I don't think I have any actual memories of NES. I remember going back and playing some NES games, but I can't remember like any actual legit original memories but that yeah, that's pretty cool so that uh the nes is kind of like the first system you have memories of like what is can you pinpoint the first game you think you played Oof. um i don't think i can pinpoint the first one i played the first one i think i have any memory of i want to say it was my uncle was playing it it was like a one of the simpsons games oh, yeah. um, where bart was skateboarding that's like all i remember <laughs> But yeah, that was that was forever. I couldn't have been more than like three, maybe four, um, mm. when he was playing that. But yeah, that that definitely sparked something in me, and I I was interested ever since then. It's just any time that I could get my hands on something, I'd I'd give it a try. Now, when when you I guess think back to like those early memories, I know you mentioned playing with your dad. 
is like that multiplayer aspect a pretty big part of like your gaming experience growing up and and all of that or was it primarily like single player games with some multiplayer stuff thrown in there i guess the early stuff was definitely like co-op i've always been a huge fan of like the the couch co-op games especially now that i'm older like i really really love playing i think like the first indie game that i really enjoyed was uh with my little brother we played castle crashers and all my buddies were playing it too so like getting a four-person party in that game was a blast Mm -hmm. um just because every every character is a little different and those hack and slashes are, I mean, you can't really go wrong with it. But yeah, I think I think multiplayer has played a, a very significant role in my video game history. Like Halo and Gears of War Gears of War being the first ones that I like dove deep into. I could just remember like seventh and eighth grade, like just coming home and just doing nothing but playing Gears of War until I went to bed. Like Yeah. That was that was pretty much every single day of like that part of middle school. Yeah, it, I, I still to this day like I wish Gears of War online was as good as it was then because they they, <laughs> they haven't even touched what one did uh, mm-hmm. for me on a personal level. Is Gears One your favorite? Yeah, I would I would probably put it up there like as probably my favorite uh, 360 game ever, uh, just because of how much I played it and how dedicated I was to it. And uh, Cliff Blazinski actually one of his speeches I think it was when he was talking about uh, the second Gears of War the announcement. It's like it made me want to do anything I could do to get into the video game industry. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't code, I'm not an artist, but like I'm in sales and marketing. And when I got an opportunity to, to sneak in that way, I was, I was on board and I was hooked. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, or can you tell us a little bit more about that and like kind of what you do in, within the industry? So Indie Arcade Wave is a newer project that I've started. Um, I started with Galactic Battleground, which is essentially a multiplayer Galaga. A buddy of mine and his stepdad uh, were writing a game, and they basically wanted to do Galaga, but they figured everybody's done Galaga remakes on like Apple TV and stuff. So it's it's kind of washed out, and there wasn't really any anything to gain from it. Mm-hmm. So they figured, why don't we try to do like a multiplayer version of it? And yeah. it was originally one versus one. They took it to a convention here uh, in Minneapolis called 2D Con. I think it was their first or second year they were running it. Mm-hmm. And they got a lot of really positive feedback and decided that they would continue to pursue it. And mm-hmm. my buddy Dylan, um, who usually co-hosts Indie Arcade Wave with me a little bit. So we've got two Dylans, two Joes. A Joe and Man. a Dylan. Mixing everything like a, up. It's like an alternate <laughs> reality of like... like that's hilarious. Um, he showed me the game really late. It was like three o'clock in the morning after we went to a, a concert and I played the game one time and basically was just like, what do I have to do to be involved? Like I'll, I'll do anything for the game, like with sales or marketing, I will help. Um, I love it. It's super fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went to a local arcade called up down here in Minneapolis. And they told us that they'd be interested in doing like a trial run. So we then pivoted from, making a one versus one Galaga to a two versus two Galaga. And now we had to put it in an arcade cabinet, which we didn't mm. know how to build an arcade cabinet. <laughs> um, so all of that happened and it, it kind of snowballed other conventions, uh, meeting people through the game, playing the game. And that's, that's kind of what I do. I've met lots of people in the industry who knew people were making arcade games still. We met all them and Indie Arcade Wave was a way to kind of show everybody off and give more support to the whole community and just get the word out any way I possibly could. So how was it building an arcade cabinet? It was fun. Um, it was it was exciting to just kind of have this idea of like we could build it like like looking back at old games, I think we we drew a lot of inspiration from Konami's like um, like Simpsons, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, okay, um, those four player cabinets, but like the brawlers, right? Exactly, like the brawlers, and we thought like that would be cool, but we don't know how to make them look like that. So why not make them a little bigger, kind of like the X Men uh, six six player? I'd say they're five or six players uh, with mm-hmm. the two screens on it, mm-hmm. and we built the cabinet pretty big. And then um, after we finished, we encountered this problem uh, called a door. It doesn't necessarily fit through a door. <laughs> so the second model, we had to make a little bit smaller so that we could uh, get through doors when, they, <laughs> when it goes to arcades. Yeah, yeah, that seems kind of important. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't think about it until you're you're wheeling this machine to the door and it doesn't fit and you have to disassemble it. So oh, mm. yeah, 
that sucks because yeah. <laughs> that's that's definitely like an added you know a lot of people who who create games you know they're just like putting them for download digitally or putting them on like a a disc or something and all of a sudden it's like nope we're actually making like a physical one that's gotta like you know it, it makes sense that that is kind of an afterthought almost of like oh yeah we gotta get it in there so. yeah when you build it in a garage you just you want to make it comfortable for everybody to play on and mm-hmm. it was it was very comfortable it's still probably my favorite cabinet to play on just because you have a lot of space mm-hmm. um, and everybody's looking right at the screen you're not turned to the side at all but the the newer model we made looks so much better. So I'm, <laughs> I'm happy with how that one turned out. Now, is that just in uh, that arcade up in Minneapolis or is it traveling around or is it uh, so we, available other places? We have them, um, a handful of them out. Um, we've got one in Utah at uh, Social Axe Throwing. Um, we've mm-hmm. got one in Portland um, at Quarter World. Uh, we're in, I don't remember if we're, in West Virginia or Pennsylvania, the guy we sold it to uh, runs a route out there, so he kind of moves it between locations. We've got a handful of them out. I think there's five or six out, and then uh, two here in the metro. Um, so metro. one in St. Paul and one in Roseville, just outside of Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And we have one going to uh, Madison, Wisconsin pretty soon here. But we we have plans for the future to hopefully release the game so everybody can play it at home on their computers through Steam. Oh, okay. nice. Yeah, that'd be really cool. How does it translate? Does it, it's still basically the same experience? Right. Yeah, it's the same experience. Um, the issue we have is single player needs rework. Um, so mm-hmm. that's going to take time. And then determining how we want to go about uh, online play because it mm-hmm. is a multiplayer game and it really shines in two versus two. So we need to figure out like how we build the back end for that. And like I said, mm-hmm. I'm not the coder. So. Uh, my coder said that that is uh, a headache and it would take him <laughs> quite a while to actually do all that. So that's on him to mm-hmm. to find what he thinks will be the best route for his time. That's awesome. Well, and it's, I think it's cool that you guys are thinking about that too. Um, Cause I know, and we may talk about it later, but like killer queen, killer queen released like a, a home version, I guess. Yeah. Um, killer queen the Blood queen. Oh, and, mm-hmm. and killer queen black. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The only one I've got experience with is Killer Clean Black. And I know like the single player is virtually non-existent in that. And um, even if you wanted to play multiplayer, sometimes the kind of back end can be a little wonky. Right. So it's it's cool that you guys are thinking ahead about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think uh, they did a, a great job with Killer Queen Black. Liquid Bit did a, a really good job con- converting that over and going mm-hmm. from five versus five to four versus four. And the yeah. game looks great. It even it even looks really different from the way that it does on the arcade. I have one more kind of general question for you and it's a, it it can be a little bit uh, of a big one unless you like just always know it. Like I think I do, but um, (laughs) what is your favorite game of all time, at least currently, or do you have one? Oh, um, it's always such a hard thing to kind of focus in on. Um, There's so many things to weigh in with the game, but I mean, just, by sheer nostalgia and how much time I put into it, it, it has to be Gears One. Oh, wow. um, okay. I've I've put so many hours into that game, and it was a game where I like really built a lot of relationships with my friends in high school and middle school. So that one just like it it brings back countless memories of like sleepovers and just spending all night playing, and I mean mm-hmm. not not doing homework to just play video games. So. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think anything else could trump that except maybe Halo. But that I, I played a lot of those games when I was younger. And as I've gotten older, I've moved towards indies just because I do really appreciate the the change in art style. Everything on Unreal looks so similar now that I'd, I I want to see something different. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm looking for. What are what are some of your favorite indies or just like I guess you could take it two ways. You could tell us what some of your favorite indies are or shout out some that you feel like don't get enough love. I mean, all the arcade guys, I think they have such a unique Mm. game. I don't know if anybody's had the chance to play death ball, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's basically like wizard soccer. Just the way that Tony came up with this game is it's so unique. You've got two goals on each side. It's one versus one. He kind of pulled a lot of inspiration from Mario 64. As we, we spoke about when I interviewed him um, with the idea of like the less buttons, the better. And just mm-hmm. give the buttons a lot of different capabilities. So 
you've got like you can lift the ball if you hit the button and jump up or you can hit the ball hit the button to just jump the button also leaves a bubble if you double tap it um if you push down on the joystick and hit the button you slide um it's just like there's so many combinations of inputs that the game just has so much depth killer queen is great obviously matt glanville made a game called switch and shoot if anybody's heard of that um he originally released it on steam and it got converted to arcade just because the guy that was building the cabinet found it it's basically just a, a shmup where uh aliens are flying down towards you you have one button so when you hit the button you'll move left and fire you hit it again you'll move right and fire So you're kind of coordinating your movement and your firing at the same time. Castle Crashers obviously can't Mm -hmm. not show them some love because the game is awesome. And I I bought it again on Steam years after (laughs) I played it on Xbox. (laughs) Man, other indies, there's there's so many. It's it's hard to to kind of just draw them out at once. I mean, I guess I can I can do this quick. Super Cable Boy. That's a fantastic game. It just came out, I believe, like a year ago. Um, from a developer in Germany. Sebastian, I believe, was his name. Interviewed him, and that game is super fun. Uh, platformer where you're basically a Game Boy and you can pick up different cartridges to get more power-ups. Oh, that's cool. Um, that's a cool idea. Yeah, it, it and the, the art is gorgeous. It's all pixelated. There's a lot of humor in it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. all text-based, so there's no actual like talking in it. Street Cleaner. Do any of you know him as a musician? Mm-hmm. No, can't mm-hmm. say that I do. Okay, so he's a, a synthwave artist, and him and his buddy were originally making games. They were producing games and stuff. He decided he wanted to make music, so they made up a fake uh, beat 'em up movie from the '80s that he could make a soundtrack for it, <laughs> and then decided why not make the game? Mm-hmm. Super fun. like it's they actually wrote it so it can be put on an NES cartridge. Um, mm-hmm. So eight bit, super retro beat 'em up. You got a gun and a sword, and you're cleaning up the streets because. All the criminals are out. Yeah, I mean things like that. Anything that Devolver makes, I love um, <laughs> that they <Right>. pre- <laughs> that they publish. I guess so. Like Katana Zero, absolutely beautiful art. I love Katana Zero. That was one of my favorite games the year it came out. The story is fantastic in it too, and you, I mean, you, there's so much you can do as the character, and I mean, slowing down time is super cool, and being like mm-hmm. the subject of a, a medical research project is is definitely an interesting take for a character. Yeah, that story was actually kind of what surprised me because I I saw the game and I thought the gameplay loop looked really cool. And so I was in on that already, the way you know that you slow down time and you have all these different mechanics to kind of give you an edge over the enemies and everything is one hit, one kill, right? Right. And then at the end, it shows you like a real time like playthrough of you going through that level. And I thought that was just cool on the surface level. But then when I actually started playing it, I was like, oh, this story is like insane too. I was not expecting that. <laughs> so yeah, it, so it a really surprising amount of depth to the yeah, story. That was crazy. So that was that that's that's one that I, I always recommend when people ask about it. I, I played it on Switch and it played amazing there. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't played it on Switch. I played it on my PC, but I mean I've tried with the keyboard and the mouse and with a controller and they both yeah. felt really good. And yeah, I mean enter the gungeon too, if you guys have mm-hmm. played that. That it's so much fun. The guys that made Sky Cursor, another indie cabinet, they actually were working with Devolver to make a light gun version of Enter the Gungeon, um, which I know got halted for a little bit because of everything that happened in the world. But I think they're still working on it and it should be coming out whenever arcades open back up. But I mean, that's that's just a handful of them. There's I've I've got another 50 on my desktop (laughs) that I could talk about if I wanted to. Yeah. And and so. Is that uh, you? You talk a lot about that kind of stuff on your show too, right? The the indie arcade wave. Yep. So tell, can you tell us a little bit more about that, and maybe some of the people that you've interviewed? Your favorites, if you can pick favorites. Me, you, you may not want to pick favorites. <laughs> it may be like, a... uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so pretty much what indie arcade wave is is I just I wanted a way to kind of help everybody out while times were really slow. Um, I started it. I believe last May. So we're coming up on a year or maybe it was June, something like that. But just all these arcade guys put in all this work. There was so much momentum and then everything got shut down. Mm. Um, And we had talked already about kind of doing something together as a community to help each other grow. 
And I think the first thing that really happened was we ran into the Killer Queen team in Las Vegas when we were at Amusement Expo. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about holding their national tournament, which they do every year. I believe this was the fourth year. Um, They did it in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And they reached out to all the indie guys. So they were like, bring Galactic Battleground, Switch and Shoot, Cosmotrons, Armed and Gelatinous, Death Ball. Everybody was there. And then they also brought uh, Black Emperor, which was a new game that they, they grabbed. And we were just all there as a community and everybody that was there was to play Killer Queen and they wanted to just just play indie games. And while everything was happening, I was like, okay, let's let's help them out. Let's showcase the games and kind of keep the buzz going while it's quiet. Mm-hmm. And it's slowly turned into just like anything indie. Um, I've interviewed a handful of Synthwave artists uh, because, you know, old games and Synthwave are like, hand in hand right the Mm -hmm. great soundtracks are synthwave and it kind of just evolved and now i'm interviewing people that are in the arcade industry whether they be coin operators cabinet builders um, arcade owners uh, promoters kind of anything in that in that ballpark so Mm -hmm. it's it's really evolved and it's cool that i've now interviewed uh, people from all over the world Um, like i said super cable boy he was from germany i spoke with uh, the creator of gravitrex arcade which is kind of like a Oh, it's like Lunar Lander kind of vibe, um, but it's like an objective get through the maze. He was from Sweden. I've interviewed arcade creators from South America um, all over the place just to get their names out there. And it's it's been a lot of fun to get to know these people. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite interviews? Oof, you're right. I might not want to single anybody out, but... Uh, <laughs> I definitely, I really liked in uh, talking to the guys from Death by Audio Arcade. There are, if you guys know of Wonderville in New York, um, it's an awesome arcade that kind of came out of Death by Audio Arcade, where they would build cabinets for local indie developers. And they're kind of just all one-off cabinets. So mm-hmm. it kind of became like an art piece, in a sense, in New yeah. York. And <laughs> when Mark was telling me the story, it was kind of funny because he he mentioned that it got to the point where they just had like 15 or 20 cabinets just like on rotation through New York. And some of them were in their garage and they ended up in their living room because they didn't have anywhere to go with them. Mm-hmm. And they opened a location that is pretty much exclusively local indie games. So it's an arcade bar out there and they've been bringing in some more of the, the indie guys and they built a cabinet recently. And it's the only cabinet that we've ever done this with, but we basically sent them the code to the game for Galactic Battleground and allowed them to map the buttons however they wanted. Mm-hmm. and put it in their cabinet so they're i mean like i said one of a kind we basically sent them the marquee too and that was a really fun one uh street mm-hmm. cleaner was fun because we got to talk about music too which is like my other passion i absolutely love music talking to nikita who is the one of the co-owners of bumble bear who made killer queen always fun to talk to him um i think we were planning on doing like a 30 minute episode and it turned out to be like over an hour because we just, just kept <laughs> chatting right um but yeah, I mean, there's every every episode has its its highlights and the reasons why I really enjoyed doing it, and it's it's fun. I mean, if anybody's ever thought about starting a show like this, like why not? What's holding you back? Just try it out. Yeah, well, and I, I think it's cool that you like, and and maybe it's just because I am not as plugged into the arcade side of uh, the gaming industry as you are, but I, I think it's cool because this is really like one of the first ones that I've heard that does focus more on like that side of the industry, because um, I know at least for us, a lot of the events that we look at and we watch and and hear about, you know, it's the big ones like E3 or, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And those more showcase, you know, PC and console games. And I know that there's some crossover, but there's a lot of cool indie games and a lot of cool arcade games out there that you guys get to kind of give that spotlight to. Right. I think that's really awesome. Thanks. Yeah, I mean that's that's what we want to do. Just just give a little bit a little bit of a push. I mean, it's not like we've got a huge following or anything, but a mm-hmm. little bit of a push to those guys. If if I help them sell one more game, like that's worth my time. Because they, I mean, as as a developer, you, you pour your heart and soul into this. You test forever, and then you release it. Like it's it's just it's nice to get a couple more downloads and have mm-hmm. people talk about it. And you know, you might introduce someone to one of their favorite indies. You you never mm-hmm. know what what what's going to happen out of mm-hmm. it. So were you always kind of tuned into the indie slash arcade scene even while you were deep in like Xbox 360 kind of console gaming? Or was there like a turning point? Where did where did you kind of shift into this side of the 
of the gaming scene? I believe it was 2017, 17 or 18. Uh, the first time I went to Midwest Gaming Classic, that was, that was it. Because we were we were making the game and we knew about Killer Queen, but that was that was really it. Everybody else was really small, kind of in the same boat we were. And mm-hmm. then we went to Midwest Gaming Classic and they they threw us in a corner um, kind of with other arcade games. If, if anybody knows what Midwest Gaming Classic is, it's that was going to be a follow up question. for Right. <laughs> it's, it's a big convention that they hold um, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's in the convention center there. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a big space. So they have, it's gotten big now. So there's two rooms. One room is all about gaming, like gaming period. So they have um, everything from like the Apple II, the Commodore, um, Mm -hmm. N64. Like they just have all these different systems set up so you can take a walk through gaming history. They've all got games on them so you can play them as well, get a feel for it. I mean, a lot of this stuff was even before my time. So I've, Mm -hmm. I never touched it or, so many things come out that you just you don't catch it you know it it happens yeah and like things like the dreamcast like came and went just as fast as as they were produced so i never even really got a chance to play that so you can play all these games and then they also focus a lot on arcades and pinballs so stern Mm -hmm. comes out every year and shows off their new games and they had us with death ball and dsm arcade who um, he's the one that developed the cabinet for switch and shoot and this was when we found out, like, there are other people doing this. The Cosmotron guys were returning guests because they're from Milwaukee. So they mm-hmm. were already known about in the area. So we went from knowing about one indie game to knowing about like, five or six in, mm-hmm. in a day. And everyone was so cool and so supportive. And playing the game with the person that created it, like, you get... You, it's it's a little more special than just playing the game, like just grabbing it and downloading it. You can really hear the story about how they built it and talking about mechanics that are there. And then you you can pitch them to be like, you should throw this in there. Mm-hmm. And you get to hear from the creator. They're like, well, that could work. That couldn't work. Like just, just to hear their perspective on it. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's even cooler when you come back the next year and they put it in, you know, like mm-hmm. they made that, that alteration because you played the game and it's, it's a huge testing mm-hmm. ground for, developers like us but that was when everything really turned for me i did i did really start focusing on the arcade scene the indie scene and i just had a new appreciation for like actually meeting the developers of games because mm-hmm. you play these big triple a titles and you have no idea who made them if you just know a big team mm-hmm. put it together mm-hmm. but when you find a game that's polished and enjoyable and only one person made it like you feel it feels a little more special and you just you want to to tell them they did a good job and congratulate them on finishing the game. So that's, that's kind of what, what turned me towards wanting to talk to them more. Now, Aubrey, I know that you're big into indie games, but it sounds like Joe and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like you tend to, or at least what you've talked about so far is a lot of like kind of more actiony multiplayer, kind of like shmups, uh, Galaga style, Aubrey, when we think of her and Indies, it's a lot of like um, spirit fairer and like kind of more relaxed experience. Resource management kind of stuff. Do you guys deal with stuff like that? Aubrey, do you have any questions coming kind of from that angle? None that immediately spring to mind at the moment. I'm realizing I'm not super great at interviews, really. (laughs) It it has kind of re-inspired an interest because we do have a local arcade. More getting inspired to seek out conventions once the the panini press ends. <laughs> yeah, because that that actually like is reminding me of a question. So we kind of have been able to follow how the pandemic has like impacted sort of the the more mainstream side of video game industry. You know, with consoles being delayed and in short supply, all these games getting pushed back. But you have kind of that inside look into you know what what's the impact been like for the arcade scene and the the more indie developers that you've kind of got a an inside track to i mean it's it's been massive you know if the arcade's closed then nobody can play the games if Mm -hmm. the arcade isn't doing a lot of business they don't have six thousand plus dollars to spend on a new cabinet and a lot of these guys have developed multiplayer games so the idea of having to spread out a little bit more is 
mm-hmm. is kind of tough, especially when like a game like ours really shines when you're playing with four people or I mean, killer queen, you got five people on a cabinet mm-hmm. and you've got another cabinet right behind that with five more people. So it's been pretty big. There's been people kind of adapting to it, finding new ways. Um, I know the guys out at Wonderville, they build beautiful cabinets and mm-hmm. they're all super unique. They held a contest for game developers to actually create a game that you play with your feet um, and <laughs> how do you like alt controlling to figure out how do you adapt the cabinet to then be played by your feet, you know, and they've, they've done some super unique stuff. I know they made a game sententable. I think was one of them. It's a hundred button fighting game, which was developed. I interviewed her too. She was awesome. Just super into the alternative control scene game is super wild because you basically jump into the fight and there's 50 buttons and they're all random every single time <laughs> so it's the ultimate button masher um she said her inspiration was <laughs> my kind of th- game thinking back to being a kid and having no idea what you're doing and just smacking the controller mm-hmm. um, she's like i just want to bring that experience out so everybody's kind of trying to figure out how to go about what happened and i mean the saddest thing is a lot of people had just gotten into it because I don't know about you guys, but the arcade bar scene was massive Mm -hmm. here around Mm -hmm. Minneapolis and the Midwest, especially you just saw them popping up everywhere. And we had people reaching out that were like, we're in, we're in renovation right now. We're looking to open up a new location. Mm -hmm. And you know, they, they sink 150,000 into renovating. And then a month after opening doors are shut. So, I mean, it, it hit really hard in the, especially in the entertainment industry. I mean, we know about mm-hmm. movies too. Movies immediately yeah. went to streaming. You, you, they just didn't have theaters packed anymore. So everybody seems to be bouncing back, kind of figuring it out. Um, there were a lot of private rentals. That was one thing that helped mm-hmm. to keep them afloat. So you could throw like a birthday party in the arcade. Um, right. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember where it was. Uh, it might have been in in Portland or something like that. But they were they were holding weddings. Um, mm-hmm. You could get married in the arcade. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. which i thought was that was definitely a unique thing um mm-hmm. never thought about having a wedding in an arcade but definitely interesting yeah it 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 hit hard and people are just trying to to do whatever they can to come out of it yeah are are like i guess I, this brings to mind a couple of things one i'm super jealous of this indie arcade bar scene um right because <laughs> I, I only know of like the one arcade that's uh, that's around us and would love to to get around and, and find out more about them. So I guess one of my questions would be, do you have resources to recommend finding a local indie arcade sort of bar scene so that you can support it now that things are starting to open back up? Like what, how would you recommend going about that? Just Google like indie arcade bar or is there a better way to do it? I would I would look up the games um, mm-hmm. if you are familiar with any of the games. So the the big ones that that come to mind for me right away are like uh, Killer Queen, Black Emperor, obviously Us Galactic Battleground, uh, Death Ball, Switch and Shoot, Armed and Gelatinous, Cosmotrons. Oh, I feel like I'm forgetting somebody, and I'm going to feel really bad if I do. But all these guys have their social media. They have their websites. Um, mm-hmm. I know Killer Queen did a fantastic job of this. If you go to their website, they actually have uh, like a Google Earth map showing you where they're located. Mm-hmm. So you can find an arcade around you. I think they have over 80 of them nationwide, with a couple international. So that's probably the easiest way. I know on our page, we have like six or seven of them listed. A lot of them are in the Midwest, um, just because that's kind of where they are. Mm-hmm. If you are fortunate enough to live in Florida by Fort Lauderdale, there's an awesome place called Glitch Bar Arcade, and they mm-hmm. have all of them, like every single one. So I think they even have a couple that are a little more niche that really haven't done more than a couple cabinets. I'm trying to think of anybody else that has a lot of them. I know our guy, Chris Myers, out on the west or on the east coast, um, he runs a whole bunch of arcades in like Pennsylvania, West Virginia, stuff like that. And he has them kind of scattered. So if you're mm-hmm. in that neck of the woods, you could probably find some of the games. But yeah, the the best place is probably going to be just jump to their social media, their website and just look. They usually have it listed where they're at. Yeah, because I think that's super helpful because like I said, I I know at least for myself, I'm not that 
plugged into this scene but the idea of like a cool just like yeah let's go get a get some beers play some arcade games is a super fun idea uh, especially now that things are kind of opening back up and calming down a little bit and so well in the arcade games that like he's talking about too not like because you have like dave and busters and stuff but yeah kind of the more indie scene like what joe is talking about seems a lot more interesting to me Mm-hmm. going and experiencing that kind of arcade yeah because you can definitely find i guess the I, I know down by us one of the at least one of the casinos has like a big like sort of arcade-ish type of place but it's a lot of the more you know standardized yeah. ones that you would be um familiar with they did have a cool halo one i think that was pretty cool but <laughs> that was that was a cool the the rothrills one that just mm-hmm. came out yeah that that's a gorgeous cabinet i played the game a little bit it was pretty fun but uh yeah i i was blown away to hear um i recently spoke with adam who runs uh, arcade heroes he's he's big in covering the arcade scene in general and he was talking to me about how some of those cabinets go for like 40k Um, and and when i say 40k i mean that's like a two-player pilot and a lot of the ones Mm -hmm. they have are four so they're putting eighty thousand on the floor i was blown away by that that's a lot of money makes sense now why they charge you like 10 bucks to play one of those (laughs) gonna say it makes sense why the the price to pay is is what it is so uh level playing field joe do you have any questions for joe uh maybe about his tasting gears of war games because i know those were your favorites as well. Why would you bait me like <laughs> like I played Gears of War for the first time like two years ago and just played through the series and was like, I know hey. I just like I just like messing with you but you you've been quiet I didn't know if maybe you had been yeah. pondering um, the questions you wanted to just throw a, a random question around here you know our arcades we can go to it's like Dave and Buster's or Margaritaville like CC's Pizza yeah like like. <laughs> They're going to have, like, you know, a mixture of, like, some new, like, gamble your tickets kind of thing and then, like, old racing games. And it's they've all converted to just, like, a, a pass that, like, you load 20 bucks onto it and swipe it on each thing. Right. thing. You know, Dave and Buster's. Do the indie arcades, do they still do, like, old school actual coins? Yep, they still still run off coins. I know we did modify one cabinet to do a card acceptor just because that arcade location just didn't want to do coins. Um, so you basically get like the same currency. Unlike Dave and Buster's, it's not like you have to pay 17.6 credits to play this game. That's how they get you because then you have one and a half credits and you're like, I want to use that. I'll put another $40 on the card. It basically would convert it to quarters. But yeah, I mean, we're still we're still running on tokens, uh, coins. It's kind of to the arcades discretion what they want. Everybody's a little different. Like some of them, I know like Glitch Bar down in Fort Lauderdale and a couple in Madison. There's there's different models for arcades. So either you come in and you buy liquor and that's their main source mm-hmm. or you come in and you play games and that's their main source of revenue. The ones that are more liquor based, they don't really care so much about coins. Um, so usually like, like with up down here in Minneapolis, you go in and they they run a deal where you can grab, I think it's like a six pack and a pound is the idea with it. So you get like six beers and 30 tokens or something like that. But some of them also charge like $15 to get in all you want to play. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if that cool. individual arcade is like, well, we don't do coins, we don't need that coin door, then we'll just take it off, um, mm-hmm. give them basically a custom cabinet and it saves them a couple hundred bucks just because we don't need to put that part in there anymore. So everybody's a little different. The one thing that I had no idea about was I figured when you get these coin doors, you just put coins in and it just works. Um, (laughs) You actually have to like get the individual coin if it's customized and it's not a quarter. So they would have to send us the coin so that we could program the coin door to actually Uh, be able to read that coin. That was something I, I mean, you don't think about that. You just go in and play, right? So that was that was kind of interesting. But yeah, I mean, most of the games do still operate on coins, but there's usually a free play switch that you can just flip on and then coins aren't necessary. Now, what you do is sounds really interesting and it does make me because I we've mentioned like where we're at. We've said that, but like we're we're in the south. So like a lot of stuff, a lot of these kind of trends tend to hit us last in the country. So, you know, like, yes. <laughs> things we like got like our first froyo in 2014 <laughs> like 
So like it is, it is really cool to kind of hear about that. And hopefully, you know, in the next few years, we will start to see some of those things start to crop up around here. I'm definitely interested. I would love to support some of those things in our area, but. You do have an axe throwing place. Oh yeah. Axe throwing. They're a lot of fun. Axe throwing is a lot of fun. I think we had talked about going to one at some point in the pandemic hit and everything kind of shut down, but yeah, let it, let it, uh, leave it open for one more round of like questions and then anything Joe that you want to shout out or finish up or say before we kind of wrap this up. If, if Dylan or Aubrey or my Joe, if any of you guys have any last questions. <laughs> Your Joe, what's kind of the ratio to like proper arcades to things like ax throwing bars as far as picking up the indies? Like, do you find that the more chain things or the more not arcade is focused tend to look for, the more mainstream games, or are they just as willing to pick up an indie? It all kind of depends on their individual business model. Um, mm-hmm. I know that um, the guys at Social Axe Throwing picked up our game and Killer Queen and maybe Death Ball all at the same time, just because they wanted something else unique to just drop people in. So they obviously have Axe Throwing, which is fun. I mean, you, that's enough to get you there. Um, <laughs> and then, I mean, why not mix booze in with that? That's fun. Um, and then they had arcade games and they had a really good mix of classic games. So they'll have like your nostalgic ones like uh, Pac-Man and Teenage mm-hmm. Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, Galaga right next to ours, mm-hmm. which was funny. Um, <laughs> but things like that, the bigger like Dave and Busters don't really lean towards the indies just because they're so like they're super calculated about floor space to profit. So mm-hmm. they'll bring a game in and they're like they'll test some of these new Rothwell games and things like that. And basically, if it doesn't make this much money in a week, it's a waste of space. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to do for somebody like us because you know we're putting a game out no one's ever heard of. Um, mm-hmm. It's in an arcade cabinet that's not super super flashy. I mean, we do have LED lights on it and we have a marquee that's an infinity mirror, so it stands out a little bit. In a classic arcade, it stands out a lot, but in one like that where you've got like King Kong and Tomb Raiders and uh, mm-hmm. Ghostbusters and things like that, that are these massive cabinets, it, it's hard to stand out. But it, it's it's so location based. It, it really is. I've we've had people reach out to us that want the game that I'm really surprised want the game, like little mm-hmm. pizzerias. You know, like, you don't think they're going to make a lot of money on the arcade, mm-hmm. but everybody's a little different. Everybody wants different things, and sometimes they'll just like. Um, I was talking to Chris a while back and he bought Cosmotrons, which is a super fun game in a beautiful fabricated, um, what is it made out? It's, uh, I'm blanking on what they made it out of, but it's this big white futuristic, like, uh, 2050 kind of looking cabinet. Mm-hmm. And he bought it just to drop people in. He put it in his window mm-hmm. and people would come in and play it and then hang out in the arcade for hours. So sometimes mm-hmm. they're just kind of a reason to bring people in. Like I said, every location is different. Some people just want them because it's nostalgic. We had somebody buy the game just because they love Galaga and they put it in the office like for their their employees to play. So that there's there's different reasons for different people. So I've got and, and this may not be we can maybe just cut this question out if it doesn't go anywhere. But so <laughs> my question though would be uh do you like if you could make or pitch like an indie arcade game? Like, do you have kind of like that pitch in the back of your mind of like one that I would love to see that I haven't seen yet looks like this or uh, does this? It doesn't have to be super thought out or in depth, but just like, I don't know if there's like a property or a game that you're like, this would be really cool if we tweaked it and made it more like indie or like an arcade cabinet style. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of indie games that I've enjoyed playing. Like, I posted one time kind of as a joke, a video of Castle Crashers on the page. And I was like, how cool would this be if it was in an arcade cabinet? Mm -hmm. And they actually commented, the developers commented and were like, we have put it in an arcade cabinet. We brought it to trade shows. I was like, well, more, we want more. I want (laughs) to play that. But yeah, I mean, it's, I don't think I have like a specific pitch, but there's Mm -hmm. so many games that I would love to play. Like even if I built like a main cabinet or something that could play some of these new indies, I would love to play so many of these games like on an arcade cabinet. Just that that feeling mm-hmm. is so much more interesting to me than like an Xbox controller. You know, like 
every mm-hmm. game is mapped out pretty similar. You always jump with A. Like it's it's always the same configuration. Mm-hmm. When you look at arcade games, you've got one button games, you've got twelve button games, hundred button games, I guess too. <laughs> um, some that there was another typing game that they made that was literally just had a keyboard and it was who could mm-hmm. type the fastest. Just having that different sense of controls is really the thing that I love about arcade games. So mm-hmm. I would just want like a cool looking indie that just has a weird control scheme. Like mm-hmm. I think that would be something that would really interest me personally. Yeah. But I, do, I don't have any pitches like in the back of my mind. There's some things that we've talked about as a mm-hmm. studio, but we're, yeah. we're still holding on to those. We've made some That's prototypes, fair. but we'll see, we'll <laughs> see where they go. And then I guess a quick follow-up was like, if, if we've got any listeners out there, or anybody that's like, they do have like their pitch in the back of their mind. How is there a way that you would recommend them getting into it, especially if they have no experience or background in this? Or is it, I think you kind of said earlier, like, just go for it. Uh Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a buddy from high school who he's always loved video games and he's in med school right now. So he's pretty busy, but Mm -hmm. he still found the time to make a game in, in unreal engine, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's not polished. It's not finished. He kind of made it as a joke, but he just wanted to be like, I have done it all via YouTube videos. So like anybody can at least make a prototype, you know, you could take it to a studio. I don't know exactly who to reach out to, but there, there are definitely resources that you can, you can jump into like Reddit pages, different discords. Like if you're, if you want to talk to some guys that develop games, check out the Wonderville discord. They're the guys from New York that build the cabinets. They can probably set you up. They can at least give you a direction, you know? Um, and all four of those guys, I believe all four of them um, do work in programming kind of on the side. So they can at least like give you an area to look at, maybe mm-hmm. give you a connection. Um, but that's the biggest thing is like, if you have an idea for a game and it's fun and you can build a prototype, that's the first step for mm-hmm. sure. Do you have anything else that you want to be sure that you say or shout out or, or get across before we kind of put a bow on this one? Yeah. I mean, just, just check these games out. Um, I know mm-hmm. it, it is kind of sad to check them out and not be able to play them if there aren't any near you, but any support, these guys will appreciate it. Any kind of feedback you have on the game is much appreciated. Um, if you want to hear their stories, like I said, um, I think I've done I've done over 40 episodes now. I've interviewed pretty much all the indie guys. There's one more I'm waiting on, uh, the Retro Raccoon guys, who made a basically a Mario Party drinking game for the arcade with raccoons. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of their focus. So that's a fun game. But I've I've talked to a lot of these guys, and they're pretty easy to get in touch with. So if you had questions or you wanted to talk to them or just get some guidance, it's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess just social media is for me. Just check us out. Instagram is definitely where I'm the most active. Um, and then YouTube. So Indie Arcade Wave on pretty much everything else. And uh, the podcast is on all major podcasts. So if you're interested in any of this and you just kind of want to get your feet wet to see what you think about the industry, it's there. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, well, you will definitely include links in, oh, yeah, for sure. in our description too. So yeah. if you're if you can't remember or you're like trying to write it down, like it's in our description too. You can yeah, we're going to include <laughs> links and uh, maybe even um, I'll get with you after this, Joe, but um, I'm thinking about maybe putting some stuff on our website to kind of anybody that looks at it, kind of direct them your way or direct them to that kind of information. But like I said, I'll get with you afterwards, um, shoot you a message or something. You down to hang out for a, for a game? Oh yeah, I'll stick around. All right, well, let's go ahead and move into our closing game for this episode. Hey, listeners and viewers, Andrew here. Thank you so much for listening to the Level Playing Field podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to take a minute to let you know about our Patreon page. At patreon.com slash lpfgaming, we've got even more great content just for you. For just two bucks a month, you get access to not one, but two exclusive podcasts. First, there's The Open Mic, a laid-back show where you can get to know us a little bit better. This podcast will cover a broad range of topics and subjects, but will still probably be pretty nerdy. 
the second exclusive show is the LPF Movie Podcast. Caleb and Aubrey finally did it. The Movie Podcast is a reality. These two hosts, and probably some guests, will tackle the world of film and TV in a show that couldn't be more up their alley. Both of these shows will be posted every two weeks alternatively, so you have something new to listen to every week. The other perk of joining our Patreon at the $2 tier is access to our official Level Playing Field Discord server. This is a great place to hang out with us and others in the LPF community. Additionally, we also have two more tiers that come with other cool perks such as unedited versions of the LPF podcast, topic suggestions, and producer shoutouts on the show. If any of this sounds cool to you, we would truly and genuinely appreciate your support over at patreon.com slash lpfgaming. We want to keep improving our content while growing our community, and this is a great way to do it. Now that's enough of that. Let's get back to the episode. So I prepared a game of Trophy Hunter. My Joe, do you remember which one that is? Yeah, that's uh, you're going to (laughs) read either the title of an achievement or the description or maybe both. And then we have to guess the game based on like where we think that that achievement came from. Yes, I call it Trophy Hunter, but it's not all PlayStation games. It is, I uh, think all of these are actually cross-platform this time, which is cool. So yeah, I will read off the name and the little description of an achievement, and you guys have to guess the game. I have five for each game. Hopefully, if I did my job right, they get more and more obvious as they go on. <laughs> the scoring works. If you can guess the game on the first one, you'll get five points. As you go through, if you guess it on the last one, you get one point because it was obvious. So I have five of these. You guys, uh, Joe, you you get the gist of it. You kind of get what we're doing here. Yeah, uh, not a huge achievement collector. Um, I guess I was on the 360, but not since, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, uh, we all we're all kind of pretty um, varied when it comes to like trophy hunting, but that's the descriptions should hopefully make up the difference there for you. So we'll start with this first game. The first trophy slash achievement, I'm just going to call them probably trophies the whole time, but that doesn't mean it's PlayStation. An inquisitive mind. Complete your first investigation. Oh, and it just like, you just shout it out. If you have a guess, everybody gets one guess per round. Uh, Eleanor. Yeah. <laughs> You're both guessing Eleanor. No, I was trying to think of what it is, and Joe oh, okay. said it, so I no, it's I just not just confirming. Okay. Hmm. Uh, it, Batman: Arkham Asylum. Not Arkham Asylum. How granular do you get with this? Is it like, <laughs> do we have to guess Arkham City and Arkham Knight as well, or <laughs> it's not an Arkham game? Okay. But I do want the like the specific of the one that it is, and All if you right. don't if you don't have a guess, we can just move to the next hint too. So. Yeah, you can move. You can move on. I'm. I'm just trying to go through a couple games, and nothing's really coming to mind. All right, the next one is angling for a bite. Catch your first fish. Is this Monster Hunter World? This is Monster Hunter World. Okay. <laughs> it's like that doesn't help. Every game has a fishing mini game. <laughs> Joe's favorite. All oh, great. Actually, oh, I was struggling to I think forgot. of like what what has a fishing mini game and this is like some sort of detective. Clue hunting game. <laughs> Monster, Monster hunting. Hunter. <laughs> now I'm thinking of like, I don't know if it was a popular arcade game, but like now I'm remembering like the bass fishing, like arcade cabinet where you've got the, like, yeah. <laughs> the little fishing rod. Yes. I think they were actually remaking that. Um, there's a oh. Japanese company that I think is making a new one. See, that's, hype the kind of game. Nice. that's the kind of game I could get into. <laughs> Joe and I could have a few beers over it, fish. You know, I bet with like the gimmicky (laughs) controller, it might actually be fun because you're not just sitting there mashing or holding a single button. Right, you're there like casting and reeling. Mm -hmm. So the other uh, trophies were power is everything, obtain, obtain five highly rare weapons, welcome to the new world, earn the right to take on two star assignments, and bosom buddies, raise the proficiency of any Palico gadget to level 10. Next game, Paths of the Dead. Collect 25% of the artifacts. Gears of War 5. Not Gears of War 5. 
Good guess, though. <laughs> not Gears of War. I'll just say it's not a Gears of War game. <laughs> Dylan. Thanks. Because <laughs> I was going to guess four. <laughs> uh, is it Tomb Raider? Shadow of the Tomb Raider? What's No. The... Okay. Is it Valhalla? It is not Valhalla. Mm. Oh. Do we get multiple guesses per round? <laughs> no, you have to wait till the next round. <laughs> well, darn. Is it uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey? No. No, it's the other one. <laughs> the next... Uh, oh, no. Don't take because I said it's not Valhalla <laughs> that it means it's Assassin's Creed. Thrill of the Hunt. Successfully complete four hunting challenges. I think Origins had hunting challenges. Is it Assassin's Creed Origins? No, Sick. it's not Origins. Origins. <laughs> Oranges. It's not um, oranges. Red Dead Redemption 2? No, neither of them. I'll just tell you that. It's not Red Dead. Uh, Shadow of War. No. Shadow of... Oh. <laughs> All right, Joe, you have a guess. <laughs> I don't know if I have a guess. We'll go to the, the next clue. All right, the next clue. Shadows of the Ancient Past. Collect 100% of the artifacts and listen to their memories. Now you really got me thinking Gears of War. Shadow of Mordor? <laughs> it is Shadow of Mordor. That's uh, Sneaky doing the not most recent game there, you know? Yep. The uh, The last two were Iron of Death, issue a death threat, and then successfully kill the target. And fly, you fools. Make 20 Uryx flee by dropping Morgai. I thought it was there was an L, but they spelled it with an I. Fly nests, basically. Pick I did out. play that one, too. I, sh- I should have at least got <laughs> one of those. Well, and other Joe guessed the second game in the franchise, and that's why I was like, oh, if he might be able to get it from that. But Yeah. My first initial thought was like the Return of the King game, even though it had no achievements because it was like <laughs> it was Paths of the Dead. So, <laughs> Yeah. All right. Next game. Forsaken. Complete chapter one. Oh, sure. Yeah. I was going to say, this one might, we might get to like the last hint on this one. We'll see. Yeah. I'm not even going to put forward a guess. Okay, be that way. Tomb Raider. It is not Tomb Raider. The The Witcher 3. Let's just get that out of the way. (laughs) No, it's not The Witcher 3. (laughs) Is it The Last of Us? It is not The Last of Us. Darn. Just throwing it out. Is it Dishonored? No, not Dishonored. That's a good guess. That is a good guess, though. Gateway. Collect a cassette. Alien Isolation. Not Alien Isolation. Yeah, I, w- I was thinking Hellblade, but there are no cassettes in that. Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Bioshock? No, oh, that's not Bioshock. Cassette. I'm just trying to think about cassettes now. What games do I know that have that in it? Right. I don't feel, it, I feel like they don't put them in anymore because they're like, people aren't going to know. Yeah, well, it's, it's also like, <laughs> is it a literal cassette? Like, like we think of a cassette tape or is it? You know, is, is cassette just a generic name in their world for, like, any audio recording? Ready for the next hint? I guess. You didn't respond to my guess of Prey, so I'm assuming it was inaccurate. Oh, I didn't hear you say Prey, but no, it's not Prey. Is it Resident Evil 7? No. Okay. 7 has videotapes. Yeah, obviously. Well, which are cassette tapes. <laughs> I don't know how that works. I'm too young for that. I was going to say, cassettes and VHS video cassette. Okay. All right. Um, I don't know, man. Heart of the Mountain. Collect the Crystal Heart in Chapter 8. I mean, now I'm fairly certain I've played this game. But uh, I'll be interested to see if you have played this game. And if you got to Chapter 8. <laughs> Probably not. Is this Mortal Shell? No, it's not Mortal Shell. Um, next next one. <laughs> well, now I'm like trying to think. Of, is it like Edith Finch? Whatever that one is. What remains of Edith Finch? It is not. What remains of Edith Finch? I'm just getting like vibes of sort of like a walking simulator experience simulator type of thing. I do not have a guess. What about my Joe? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Strawberry badge. Collect 30 strawberries. Oh, oh, Celeste. Celeste. Really? There it is. Oh, man. Oh. 
It's Celeste. The last one, the last trophy was Celeste. Climb Celeste Mountain. Because I didn't know if anybody really in this group had played it. I didn't know, Joe, if you had played it, it being a popular indie game. I didn't finish it. But, oh, sorry. Sorry, yeah. you, Joe. I've played it. I've played yeah. it quite a bit. So I didn't know if the I if, if someone had played that game, I thought that cassettes and strawberries and the mountain might be decent hints. But So I think that's two points for, for Joe. For my Joe. All right. Your Joe. <laughs> for the hoarder, you completed the game without selling any items. Well, for a brief second, I thought it was World of Warcraft because of the four of the board. But <laughs> then you said completed the game, and that was... Too- nope. <laughs> you, yeah, you can't complete that game. I don't know. There's the one guy who got every achievement. How? He's played for a very long time. But doesn't he have to like maintain that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he... Until but, they I mean, shut there, down. There was, wow. a, there was a point where he said he could say he was done. Maybe. Yeah. Good kind for of him. depends on like <laughs> if you care about achievements in that game. There's so many. It's like there's like ten thousand or more. Oof. I have no idea. All right, yeah, so the next one is shutout. You successfully blocked every enemy attack in a single non-tutorial battle. This seems like a very annoying game to try to get achievements in if you have to like go through without selling a single thing. I th- I mean obviously it will probably make sense when you hear the game but is it dead cells? It is not dead cells. Is it dead space? It's not dead space. Final Fantasy 7. Not Final Fantasy 7 or remake Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've played these games with you enough that I know that there's always you got to ask for specifics. You got to Suss it out. Avenger, you defeated three enemies in one battle while your buddy was knocked out. I'm starting to think that like... Is it Castle Crashers? That was my thought too. It's not Castle Crashers. <laughs> I'm starting to think that like my hint system, like one, two, three are all too vague and then all of a sudden four like gives it away. <laughs> so I need to work <laughs> on my uh, progression here, but... Because I... Th- well, anybody else have a guess on that one? I'm just trying to think about games that I've played that have an inventory system. I'm still on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Inventory system and multiplayer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, uh, it could be like a hunter's pet, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buddy doesn't necessarily mean another player. True. All right, let's see if you guys can catch it on this one. Made this for you. You flung a turd of your own creation at an enemy. So that Castle, castle Crasher vibe probably wasn't too far off. South Park, the Stick of Truth? That's the one. Uh, <laughs> didn't so play the, that one. The last hint was your uh, first day in South Park. You completed your first day in South Park. There were a lot of uh, achievements in there that were a bit more crass and South Parky. <laughs> But and I probably should have thrown a few of those in there just for some humor and maybe to give you guys a fighting <laughs> chance. <laughs> like, hmm, an inventory system has a buddy. Yeah, because there's a ton of like for the hoarder. Like, there's a ton of puns and stuff in their achievements mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Avenger, obviously. So you should you should look up the achievement list for that game. It's it made me want to go play the game. <laughs> Aubrey, you probably wouldn't like it. Mm. <laughs> You Look, I, I like barely it. liked it as when I was playing it as a like 19 year old. So, yeah, you're probably too old at that point. <laughs> yeah, that says something about the game that a 19 year old boy was kind of like, eh, it's okay. The, the N64 South Park game was great. The other ones that I played, are, they were okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is the final one. Final round, final game, first trophy, Snake Tongue. Successfully persuade, bribe, and intimidate. Skyrim. Oh, he got it. Wow. Nice. Points on the board. Final round. He gets five points. The game I didn't play. (laughs) Wow. So it didn't quite give you victory, but it definitely brought you on the board in a big way. Uh, the, The other achievements were wanted, escape from jail, master, reach level 50, Take up arms, join the companions, and Dragon Slayer. Com- complete Dragon Slayer. Played a lot of Oblivion, but never played Skyrim. 
Nah. So that's that's where I where I was going. I was like, he's probably going to go more recent than Oblivion. Yeah, you nailed it. Good job. So nice. final score, uh, Aubrey, with a big old zero. Zero. My Joe with four. Indie Arcade Joe <laughs> with five, and uh, Dylan taking the the victory with seven points. So congratulations, like a true vulture. <laughs> vulture. I mean, I would have lost Shadow had it of not. Mordor. Well, okay. I would have lost had it not been for uh, Monster Hunter too. So, <laughs> so yeah, good job. Um, before we close this episode out, Joe, I just want to throw it back to you. I know you've already kind of done it, but why don't you just plug all your stuff again? Just shout out where people can find you, where they can see what you're up to. And like Dylan said, we will be sure to put everything in the show notes. I'll probably put something on our website, um, we'll share it all out on social media when this episode goes live, but just, just go ahead and, and tell everybody one more time as we close this one out. Definitely. Um, for Indie Arcade Wave, uh, YouTube, we upload all the videos. Just recently started doing like videos with the actual developer as opposed to just gameplay. So there's a mixture there if you want to see gameplay and the actual developer. All podcasting apps, uh, Apple, Spotify, all that stuff. Uh, it's under In The Scene with Indie Arcade Wave. And then Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, what else am I on? If you look up Indie Arcade Wave on whatever social media you're on, you'll probably find it if we're on there. And then Galactic Battleground, we're most active on Facebook and Instagram. And then our website is just galacticbattleground.com. Uh, we're on Twitter and YouTube. I don't think I forgot any. I'll send you the rest <laughs> of the links. But uh, yeah, the the pretty common ones. Awesome. Does it, anybody else have anything else they want to say or get off their chest before we wrap this one up? No, just it's been a pleasure having you, Joe been cool getting to talk to you especially getting a chance to dive into a little bit of that scene that we are not as connected with and, and learn a little bit about it because that's been that's been fun yeah Thanks. i had a blast it was, it was super cool to chat with you guys and just talk more just general video games than the really focused episodes that i usually do well maybe we'll bring you back on for a, a future episode where we'll let you uh, geek out about gears one or something you can kind of <laughs> just go crazy but with that being said i just want to say thanks for checking out this episode of the level playing field podcast we hope you enjoyed it again please go check out our website levelplayingfieldgaming.com where you can find all of our socials our youtube channel our patreon and all of our directories and if you want to write into the show directly feel free to shoot us a message on social media or email us at lpfgamespodcast at gmail.com big thank you to all my co-hosts dylan aubrey joe and my joe and an even bigger thank you to our listeners. We sincerely appreciate your support. Let's say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. Peace.